Hey everybody, this is Katie back with another wonderful episode of Psychic on the Scene. I'm here with my lovely friend and co-host, Michelle Lyon Polito. Hi everyone. And my other lovely co-host, uh, <laughs> D. Scott. Yay! <laughs> and we're still doing this um, virtually uh, in our Zoom. So it's kind of weird not to be back in the studio, but it just is. as fun and effective mm -hmm. that I get to see you guys while we're doing this. Yeah. The listeners obviously mm -hmm. don't get to see us, but um, thank God because my hair with this um, humidity today, I literally look like I'm, you know, I've got the share hairdo right now. It's like so <laughs> it huge. Looks great. I love it. I can't, no, it doesn't look great, but you're very <laughs> kind. No, it's huge. It's too big. I can't even get my, I literally can't get my hands into it to like get a brush through it. It's, <laughs> it'll break like the, the princess bride. Anyway. Look at me. I'm curly because of humidity. I know. I know. So anyways, um, we have a wonderful guest, a friend of Michelle's and myself. Um, so I'm going to hand it over to Michelle to introduce our guest. I would like to introduce Brittany DeMarco Furman. She's a funeral director at the Glenville Funeral Home. And the funny thing is, um, Brittany and I met, she's a listener, a regular listener of Psychic on the Scene, and she heard me mention that I play the bagpipes at funerals, so she contacted me about a funeral, and that's how we started talking, and we're so excited to have her on to talk about some of her experiences with the spirit world um, while doing the, you know, being a funeral director, what experiences that she's had, so welcome, Brittany. Thanks for having me. And Hi, Brittany. Now you get to be on our show, girl. Yes, and I actually did a private reading with you. Somehow I know. I got, I got in, and I could see you're back getting your nails done. The first thing I saw, said when I was up and close with you, I was like, Katie's got the claws, and they look good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every, like, constantly asking me about my nails and I'm fortunate that I got them I did I got them done just before um we were all in quarantine and then during quarantine it took forever for them to come off and I actually was able to by the same gal that does my nails um nails by Alyssa if anybody follows her on Instagram <laughs> you could order them and so um what I always order is um mermaid glam and these I just got done so uh, mermaid glam well, your red hair, but besides just your big personality, your nails and your red hair. And I love mermaids, so I always feel like I just, I'm just connected to you somehow. So. I know, I know. I forgot about that you love the mermaid thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm a mermaid. I can't help it. You really so, are. Oh, there we are. Britt, I am so excited to have you on because, uh, you know, um, I have always felt, even back when I worked at the Chamber of Commerce, every once in a while we'd get an opportunity to tour funeral homes and I, I because it was professional I never asked the funeral directors if they were getting stuff in the place but I always felt in these and they were they're beautiful homes beautiful old homes that I always felt the energy but then I thought to myself what is that like for some like for just every run of the mill day like you're you're preparing these bodies you're helping families you're helping families at their at their worst possible moment mm -hmm. of, of making that transition of saying goodbye um just Brittany tell our listeners what it's like on a daily basis for you no day must be the same oh absolutely not not at all and <laughs> I I grew up in the business so wow. I actually was raised uh, in the house behind our funeral home and mm -hmm. you know our casual um run of the 
evening coming back from school would be like, all right, who's going to go get dad in the morgue or down in the casket room and tell me <laughs> time for dinner. So my sister and I would be like, all right, rock, paper, scissors, shoe. And cause we really were into it back then. Um, you know, we were really, we were scared, you know, like we didn't know we were going to get into the business at all. I always just felt like, you know, very cold presence and just very like unsure. I was very mm-hmm. confused and I was scared of death back then. Right. But then you kind of grow up around it and see that what we do just, you know, taking care of the dead and then how we take care of the living and how that has such an impact on the families and how we have such a big part of this community and how we bring people mm-hmm. to the light. How right. I, it's not, I'm scared of the dead. It's like, I'm scared that what, comes out of our mouth and what we do are we doing the best we can as directors so it all right I, is- I love you i love you even more <laughs> because i think that that's beautiful for you to say um how many generations for are you guys so we're gonna celebrate a hundred years for wow. the marco family like yeah so i'm fourth generation that's incredible yeah that is really a testament to you and to your family and um, obviously the integrity of your family yeah. all these years. So, uh, you know, congratulations to you and to your family for, for helping pro- being actually a part of so many families in the community and, and assisting them. Um, how did the first generation get connected to doing this? So they were, I, supposedly the story is that funeral directors were, you know, cabinet makers and, story is that you know it was a group of brothers the DeMarco brothers and um that they kind of lineage from that but I'm not too too sure that how who made the first step into it I know that it started in the stockade so I'm sure there's a lot of history that goes back there because I know a lot of stuff up down there Yes, I can say um, that's where my boyfriend lives. <laughs> I actually have a boyfriend now. Woo! Yes, it's official. <laughs> it's out official. It's Facebook official. Um, yeah, and of course, down in the in the heritage of the stockade, you know, going back, there's even now everybody talks about there's so many um, families or roots to the rest of the community, not just GE, but other uh, businesses within the community that grew out of that small stockade. Area. And the energy there is so it, it's pal- palpable that you can feel it when you're walking. You can see people and, mm. and spirit, and and everybody feels that. So that's yeah. that's really interesting. Be interesting to know, Britt, what building it was in initially. I know that's something I really should have investigated beforehand. <laughs> okay, we'll have you on again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go over there. Like, again, oh. and and you know what? That's something for your family's history. Um, if you guys are celebrating the hundred years, yeah. so every, I know that with a lot of, um, different cultures and religions, there's a lot of different ceremonies for helping our loved ones cross over. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us or share with us some of those, um, preparations or traditions um, that you have to do, maybe something that's unusual that we wouldn't know about with families um, saying goodbye to their loved ones? Oh, yes, there's there's plenty. And, you know, we've seen an array of uh, different services. And when it comes to preparing the bodies, I know there's a Chinese culture of how you dress the body with the different layers of clothing. Mm. Um, 
I believe it was seven layers because that's how many generations they go back. So there's a base layer and then you keep um, building on layers of um, clothing on the body and you think that they would look weird, but it's just the, the, the meaning behind it. And it really just shows like how different we all are and like how back these traditions go. So perhaps there's a reason that we don't know because I know reading back into it, um, it's just a cultural thing that seven generations you go back. So whether the uh, clothing is different material, different color, it means for each generation. So possibly wrong. it can go into like um, what your heritage is, where you were from. So obviously we're all kind of um, mixing pot, melting pot here. So the culture <laughs> isn't so distinctive, but they still do uh, follow that for the Chinese cultural. And then, um, you know, more like the Hindus that they want to do a lot of um, ceremonial chanting with um, uh, you have to have the firstborn son be sitting next to the casket and then putting the rice together and then mm. putting all the ingredients of the eggs. And there's all these uh, reasons of like fertility and also just the cleansing of the spirit and releasing into the air. And they have the firstborn son do that. Um, a lot of um, praying and chanting, but um, for some of these multi, um, like different diverse gen um, cultures, excuse me, they like to stay with the body. They don't like to leave the funeral home. So we've definitely seen that on the occasional, um, you know, diverse family that we would have them stay over or they would leave really late at night or come in the morning. Oh, wow. I, I, I have... Uh, there was a show on for a while, and you probably know what it was, Brittany. Um, and it actually was uh, like a reality show about a family <clears throat> that was in the funeral business. And one of the things the one daughter did was um, she helped to make up and prepare um, families, like the faces and their hair and everything. So she would actually ask some family members when they came in if they wanted to remain and help bathe the body um, and help with the makeup, do the hair. And she said it was actually um, more healing for the family members to be. And now I don't know if that's against the law for people to be in there in New York State. But a lot of families, they found a lot more peace by contributing um, to basically, um, you know, the dressing and the, the preparation. Um, saying preparation, saying farewell to their loved one. Have you encountered any of that? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, being that I'm just newly licensed, I think uh, now a year and a half. I know the books and I don't remember seeing that in the law books being New York <laughs> or so strict, but even if it was a rule, we still allow it. You know, that is the most healing part that you can. Um, you know, I tell families who maybe don't feel comfortable going through photos and music and having those kind of um, outlets to uh, find healing and remember and, you know, not just don't do those kind of things. You want to put yourself into the whole grieving process like that because it will you know, help you remind yourself and tell stories and uh, help you start healing. But if you feel willing enough to be able to maybe not do the makeup, but maybe watch, watch us, or perhaps we can show oh. you how we dress, um, you know, mom and dad, and we can place on the necklace together. It's a ritual. And I think it's one of the most beautiful things you can. So when families ask us, because we know people are shy when they talk about death, like I see families all the time. Agreed when they ask us 
um, I want to put this necklace on mom or dad, but I don't know how to, or I'm scared to, I grab their hands and I walk them through and I, you know, I can do this or all you have to do is this. Cause they kind of forget like, this is still, you know, it is a shell. Their, their spirit has gone on, but this is still how we're going to remember. And this is our final goodbye to the mortal body here. And I just find it so interesting how we get so scared to do these things. But that's why there is a funeral director to help you walk through and don't be afraid because this is going to be something that you're really going to remember. You're going to be grateful that you did do this. You, you are. I, you do go so, ahead, honey. You're, you are amazing, Brittany. I mean, I did that one funeral with you guys and I have to say, you're just the most caring group of people and understanding. And it's, it's not, you don't act like, Oh, we're at work. This is a job. It's a process. Yes. It for is. You. And I think you make such an amazing difference in people's lives. As you said, at the worst possible time of their lives and help them to heal and move forward. And, you know, I'm impressed. And, and I'm keep in you. mind that obviously it, it is a huge function of our life, but we're, we, we shield our children from a lot of that. And, and I'm not talking about the gruesome part. I'm talking about the part that is spiritual that, that Brittany handles that um, we should, we should be more open to that, which leads me Brittany to, um, you know, have you had experiences where you're working on somebody and, and preparing them and you have actually felt them in the room or you have felt other loved ones in their family. I definitely are with you items. There's certain items I feel like that are in the room that can attribute to the, the spirit. Absolutely. If it's something like a, a necklace, I felt more with like pieces of jewelry and clothing other than the body. Um, I definitely do feel sometimes in the prep room, there is that intimate. Can you guys still hear me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I froze a little bit. Um, intimate moment where it's just you and, um, you know, the loved one of somebody and you're just there. And, you know, I know that the nitty gritty part of being a funeral director is you're both, both a mortician which is down in the morgue prep preparing a body. And then you're also the undertaker that is undertaking the responsibility of caring for the family and putting on a funeral within three to five days. So that's where the name funeral director comes. But down in the morgue um, as the mor uh, mortician, it's very intimate and you can't, your mind can play tricks on you. <laughs> but absolutely. Like let's, let's be real. Like it's, it's not every day that you walk into a room full of, um, deceased bodies and uh, they're in your care but at the end of the day it's it's very very intimate um, to just have to be that person who washes them for the last time or prepares their body and puts makeup on their face and brings them back to what you want the family to see as their final goodbye mm -hmm. but I honestly I, I have to go with necklaces and like trinkets of the family members that's where I feel like a lot of uh, more energy. So that's my experience personally. I, I think it's interesting because I think metals too, in general, rings, necklaces, earrings, hold memory and hold vibration. Yeah. So if those are the items that seem to be doing that um, while you're working with them, um, that would make a lot of, that makes a lot of sense to a psychic medium that you would be, yeah. you would be feeling that. 
because often during a reading, I'll ask if the person uh, who's come for a reading has a ring or a necklace or a watch from a deceased loved one. We'll hold yeah. that, and you know, we we utilize that. So you're kind of in a sense doing a reading hmm. when you're feeling that, Brittany, which is really cool. It is really cool then. <laughs> Has anybody like, else in your family ever seen like a spirit within the funeral parlor or ever seen, um, you know, the person that they're working on, like in the place? My grandma Louise, when she used to work there, she always felt um, something. She always felt something. And I feel like a lot more things happened when she was in the building. Sometimes we just thought she was crazy. We're like, oh, it's just Lou. Crazy Mimi, you know. Did you have a glass of wine yet today? <laughs> but she just, I don't know. I feel like she was more connected to those things because she absolutely believed it, even before I started uh, believing. Um, did, you, did you guys ever have anything like um, uh, move around, um, you know, things fall over? Doors open and close. Yeah, doors open and close while you were working there. Oh, absolutely. And the flickering in the lights happens more than I think anything. Like we're about to leave or something happens where we were just discussing the, um, the loved one that passed and the lights would flicker and the doors have closed plenty of times. And I know we don't have any kind of draft that goes downstairs throughout um, the casket room and the morgue. And that always scares me, but it's always, I, I just, at this point, I think we're, we're, we're pretty used to it, <laughs> but, um, it's always an investigation, like, what, where did this come from? But we kind of just realized that we are in a place of a lot of energy. Do you think you have energies that are attached to the funeral home, maybe from the past? Not necessarily someone who's, you know, been waked and had a funeral through there, but do you feel like you have any resident spirits, and like maybe the same ones that are hanging out all the time? Or do you feel there are more people just passing through as their bodies pass through? I definitely think it's just passing through. Our building's only 35 years old. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, it's not one of the old school Victorian funeral homes that probably have a lot more history than ours. <laughs> but um, there's certain things that, you know, when you get to know about um, the person that passed and the family and things that come on, like music comes on a lot. We get mm -hmm. a lot of music turned on just mm -hmm. randomly. And so it's usually the kind of music that they listen to or what they're trying to channel out. Um, Brittany, it, to, Brittany, to echo that a little bit, I, um, years ago, I was thinking of this when we were talking about um, doing the show tonight. I was at a home, a historical home out in Boston uh, Lake. And um, the house was completely refurbished, beautiful inside. And we sat down to talk and I kept hearing music, like loud and clear mm -hmm. music while I'm talking to the husband and wife. And I finally said to them, can you please turn that down? And they looked at me like I had lost my mind. And I said, oh that, music is, that music is too loud. And they said, you, you didn't realize, but this was like the, the um, like basically like the village hub. So the weddings were performed there. And right in the room we were in, like their living room, and the funerals, they were waked there. So I was hearing this music, and I, I said, turn it down, and then it's just stopped. So, of course, that, that made, like, believers out of them, but it was very, very – and they said there was. There was music in there all the time. So I, I can imagine that um, they would want that 
to be known that they were there and they mm -hmm. would play around with the electronics a little bit, whether it's the lights or maybe even cell phones or like that with the music, um, you know, on and off. Have, have you had the experience too where, um, um, now I've heard this more than once, that they've seen extra people within the funeral home like there to mourn? like during the actual um, like ceremony or the, the wake? Well, it's always interesting with wakes because you don't know who's going to show up. Right. And there's always the people that come and you never met them before. And maybe they have a story about your loved one that passed that you never even knew. So maybe it's a first encounter. I love the stories when they say, I got to meet, so-and-so who was in the war with my dad and I never got to meet him. And this is the person, you know, he always talked about, there's always a saying and it's like, but I didn't know he was still around or there's always like, I didn't know he was like alive sometimes. So it's very interesting when there's strangers that know the person that passed away, but you don't know them. So it's could always create a, a mystery there that there's more people that, there that you didn't know that would show up for the loved one. I've actually heard um, two separate times um, from people that uh, someone came to the funeral, they had thought the person had passed away, <clears throat> and they were really excited to see them. They had an experience, you know, with, with talking with this person, the person made them feel so uh, just peaceful about the loss. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, on two separate occasions, that person actually had passed. And so oh, wow. it was their spirit form coming through. I don't know how they manifested. It's pretty amazing. But it's interesting was both were tied to World War II. And that, that spurred my memory. That they the, um, the story I have heard more than once is um, people, families, especially back when we were younger, kind of tying in with what Brittany was saying that, um, you know, a lot of times we don't, we don't talk about it. We're probably more, we talk about death a little bit more, except things more than we, we did. There was a span of time where um, that was such a negative that it was almost like, you know, we don't, we don't talk about the person once they died. We take mm -hmm. down their pictures once they die. And of course, children um, would never have been brought to a ceremony. We're back probably, you know, turn of the century. Mm -hmm. um, it was a part of everyday life that you waked them in the home. Mm -hmm. You, They actually picnicked in the cemetery. One of the reasons I think Vail Cemetery is so wanted is people used to go there. It was a park. Right. Right next, And they would come and bring their picnic lunch and visit their family. Um, so they, they treated it differently. And then we went through a period in like the 60s and the 70s where you didn't bring the kids to the funeral and you didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. But, anyway. but more than once I've heard, even going into like the eighties and the nineties, um, they would bring a child to it. And the person would say that was the first time they realized they could see dead people. They would <laughs> see the aunt or uncle or the grandparent in the room that is in the casket or they saw other family members and they literally assumed that everybody could see these people in spirit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, have you had any encounters like that, Brittany, where children will talk to you about what they've seen? Well, I always like, like to stick away from um, sometimes the sadness of the funeral in the wake. And then I like to play babysitter. So I hang out with the kids <laughs> a lot and we have a little kid room. So it's funny you bring that up. And they notice a lot. They just, they always are curious. 
kids in general, just the way, especially when they're really young too, like around like three and four and five, they're just looking around. They're so curious. They want to touch things and just like explore, right? Like where does that room go? And ask like, how do you know this person? And I remember this one instance where the um, a child, I'm in the back room and I was like, do you want to go see um, mommy? And I remember they're like, well, I'm here with so-and-so and no one's in the back room. Oh, so, yeah. That's, and I, you know, I, you never know with imaginary friends, but I just remember they were saying that, no, like I want to stay here with uh, so-and-so. So it was just very unusual, but I, you know, sometimes you want to just say it's their imagination, but what child at a wake is that's right by themselves in a dark room with so-and-so so that's the one time that I really got spooked out but um (laughs) but yeah it's just just so amazing just how kids are so curious and they could just be so open to anything and they're not they're not scared to say anything too they'll say exactly what's on their mind I love kids right 100 percent and I I think that that's you know one of the reasons why we discount that but every child even if they were like a little afraid they all seem to have that encounter and even bring them home that they still see Nona or pop up um, home mm-hmm. and they don't understand why nobody else is, you know, seeing them and, and knowing that they're okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy when you see that kind of things and, you know, and then imaginary friends, the more that I learn about, oh, you know, what we talk about and mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the afterlife and where people's heaven ends up being. I, it's yes. not, I, don't, I don't feel like it is like uh, imaginary friends. I, I think it's visitors from the other side. That's what I, I agree. Mm-hmm. 1000%. I agree. That's um, very um, evolved for you to, to say, because I think that that's, it, it's what our reality is. And I think people forget they probably had the same reality when they were, you know, five years old, three years old, um, eight years old, and and um, when we get older, we become more fearful, and 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 without any other reason than to to just say, well, it's strange, it's different. Even your career is strange and different. I mean, there is um, right, and you're married now. Yes, but I'm sure prior saying to people, just like myself, people would say, "What do you do for a living?" I'd say I'm a psychic medium, and they'd either have the reaction of, "Oh yeah, all right, get out of here," or they'd like just go, okay, thanks so much. And like turn around and walk away. <laughs> so it's gotta be the same thing. Oh, absolutely. Or on the center of the attention at like a dinner party or something. Like everyone's asking me so many questions. Grilling you. Or not, they're like, Hey, this, Hey, Bob, this girl's a funeral director over here. And it's <laughs> like, you know, I don't know what a funeral director is supposed to look like. And it's, we are probably the most fun, lively group of people Yep. on this planet, in this country, every funeral director. All right, so that brings me to another question. You just gave me a great segue. You are the most lively. You are the most of the time the happiest people. So has seeing death given life a different meaning? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the common term, you know, live life to the fullest. You never know when it's going to be your last day. Sure, but you appreciate more and when you end your day and you're fighting over the dumbest things is it worth it because you do know that life could end any moment and you know that 
and within the next few hours, you're going to be over whatever you're fighting about. And, you know, when you look at time, time and space, it's we're here on this earth and death is going to happen. We all are going to die. So why make life harder? And I appreciate the things. And if you are able, go and do those things because I feel like people make roadblocks in their way. And if you can do something or if you want to make something happen that you want to be known that you did on this planet, you can do it. You truly can. Dal, how old are you? I am 29. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so you're an old soul to be saying that stuff. And, and ironically, you probably didn't see my post today, but I just posted um, stop waiting. Stop making excuses. Stop waiting for the happy ever after. Stop waiting for... Um, the move, stop waiting for, you know, to say you're sorry. Stop waiting. No, it's on you. So you saying that, poof, spot on, sister. Thank you. Very, very good stuff. So I obviously you've gone through and you've become a, a funeral director. Did you feel that you needed other spiritual help? I think we, you and I kind of talked about this when we had a reading. Have you done anything like have you taken any Reiki classes um, to help like guard your own energy or, uh, you know, something like that? So I'll be honest, I was in such a good place with, you know, my spiritual learning because I think I'm, I'm still learning. I know mm-hmm. that um, Melissa Neely is um, yes. a good friend of yours and yes. I'm very close with her. She's actually, she's been my guide, uh, my main person, but... <laughs> Yeah, she is wonderful. But with everything with COVID-19, it kind of just exploded my whole like, 2019, 2020, I mean, excuse me, has been just awful for me. A lot of loss in my family, um, just a lot of negativity. And just, I actually just did a post today on social media, how I feel that this is the hardest time to be a funeral director. uh, Mm. Because it's, it's it's such a um a sensitive job but we're also the we're supposed to be healers we're supposed to be bringing light we're supposed to have the answers and there's no answers in this time uncertainty and these masks which i am all about masks i think you know i'm wearing my mask but it it creates a very like we're already looked at cold uh, a cold profession and wearing a mask and not being able to hold somebody or um, show full emotion to what they're going through. It's very hard and difficult. And then on top of that, telling people they can't have all their loved ones be there and attend the funeral. All right. So it's just been very, very, very dark place right now. Um, having and how many people that. do we know? I mean, I know personally, how many people do we know couldn't be there to hold the hand of their mother, father, whoever was passing away because they weren't allowed in the hospital. Exactly. So it's just, you know, having those conversations with families and I can't use that word. I know what you're going through because I have no idea what they're going through. I know. And I like, that's a good point. It was right before COVID-19. Um, and my mom and my whole family, they're just like Mimi passed, you know, I, I guess it was a gift because we don't know how we would have handled not being able to go say goodbye to her and her being alone in this, in um, the nurse. No, she was in Ellis hospital. That's where she was. But when you look at these families that are had to go through this, I 
personally do not know how I could not say goodbye to a loved one. So it's just what they've gone through, these families, and then having to wait for their funeral or their loved one's funeral and having to um, rehab it and not have the capacity of love that would be there and support. It just, it's mind blowing. It's breaks my heart. But you know, you are so sensitive to them and their needs. I'm sure that because of your, the way you're thinking about this, you are making a huge difference in these people, people's lives, Brittany. I really, just the way you go about this and you know, I spent a lot of time as a backpacker with funerals, and I have to say, I mean, we you are an amazing group of people, funeral directors, just every day. Like when I tell people I hang out with funeral directors, they're like, oh, it's got to be weird. I have the nicest time. <laughs> I, I do. It's just some of the best time spent in the most profound um, learning experiences that I've had, so... I, I, I think it was Charlton, the historic Charlton Cemetery, and it was so yes. cold when I had you bagpiping, <laughs> poor thing, with your, I think you did, you had your legs exposed, and I could have just talked to you forever, and I'm like, <laughs> wait, I forgot, you probably have somewhere to go, because it's just, you know, wonderful. It's fine, it's okay, like I said, I'm a winter kind of girl, so I'm good. Yes. <laughs> um, so, um, you, you know, you just explained some of the things like about what it's taught you. Have you ever felt like um, you brought somebody, I know you said that at one point you lived in the back. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm assuming now you live in a separate location. Yes, thankfully. <laughs> thankfully. Thankfully, my husband and I live away. <laughs> so do you, have you ever brought somebody home with you? So in spirit? I have, and uh, my husband is a realist. He just <laughs> not, you know, he likes, yeah, oh, absolutely. We're yin and yang, total opposites. And I remember I came home from uh, removal, which is when you transfer the body from the place they passed away, whether it's at home or the hospital, and bring them back to our facility. So then they're taken to our care. I cannot remember exactly if like there was like a man or woman but I know it was somebody who did not want to leave this earth and they were fighting to stay mm. and yes and I remember coming home and I you know kind of was like to my husband like that was really really hard you know he was I think it was it had to be a man I'm trying to remember my brain's a little a little bit too much sun this weekend, maybe. Um, <laughs> as you see, the sun's like reflecting on my face here. Um, so it was just, it was very bizarre how I said this to him because sometimes I don't bring back my work and talk to my husband about it. And some, mm -hmm. it's usually in the middle of the night, like two o'clock in the morning when I crawl back into bed after a <laughs> removal too. And I was just, oh. it was really, really sad. Like they, they were telling me how he didn't want to go and how he was fighting to stay for a wedding. Oh God! And, and it was just, you know, I believe it was, um, it was cancer and how he went just, he feel like he got the bad, um, sick of life. So I am sitting in the kitchen telling my husband this and I kid you not, as I said, like he did not want to go. This weird piece of my cabinet flew up and you can like, my husband does not believe in this, but now he truly does. And I have another story for you flew up and like went over my head and just landed right on the table in front of my husband. And he said, did you see that? And I go, how did I get there? And he's like, 
Brittany and he starts like really freaking out. Cause when a realist, like, and somebody who just doesn't like believe in this stuff and something like that happens, they get scared. Me, I'm like, calm down. It's okay. <laughs> like, don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. So we just, and we just like re replay the tracks and we're like, that just happened. He's like, you brought somebody home. So I, you know, we didn't have a, uh, something afterwards cause I really didn't know how to handle that, but nothing happened afterwards. So, but we'll always remember that that was his, reaction to me saying what exactly you know he didn't want to leave so and maybe, right maybe he was trying to help your your husband understand as well maybe I know right like show his emotion there yeah. but another thing about my husband is um back to how I have to get up in the middle of the night on death calls my husband is not associated with this business he does not want to be in the business he's <laughs> not about it so <laughs> recently We've been kind of short-staffed with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. um, so our elderly staff workers or people who just work part-time, um, drivers, we don't have them all. So I don't really have, um, quote, unquote, the muscle to help me on removals. So mm -hmm. if I can't, like, scavenge to find somebody to go with me, I've asked my husband <laughs> on two occasions. And bless his soul, he's a wonderful man, but he just won't do it. He won't. He just he, can't. He can't. So I love him, but... I, I definitely gave him like dirtiest look, swore behind his back. Actually, to be real, I swear at him. I was like, "You get up out of bed." He's like, "I'm not going." So I'm like, "All right, fine. Let me go find somebody at two o'clock in the morning." And so I, you know, I still have a bed at my mom's house, uh, the funeral home uh, house. So I ended up not coming home, but I get a call at now four o'clock in the morning. He tells me. I thought you came home in the middle of the night. The covers came off of me Oof. and I had to literally grab them to get back onto me. I was like, what are you talking about right now? Go back to bed. He's like, no, Bernie, there's something in the room. I'm not going back into the bedroom. And I go, what are you talking about? So there's a one time he honestly went to the spare bedroom, did not sleep in that room, was freaked out. I asked him again two weeks later when we had another call in the middle of the night. And this time he went back to sleep and supposedly at four o'clock in the morning, the covers came off and then he felt oh. like coldness on him, coldness on him and heard like an echoing noise. Like <sighs> he freaked out so much that he not only like got up out of bed, he left the house and didn't, he called me. I'm now at a, like <laughs> getting ready to go to a rotary meeting on a Friday. And he's like, I'm not going back in the house. You're never leaving me in the middle of the night. I'm like, I'm leaving you in the middle of the night. Are you kidding me? So we all think it's my grandfather. That's what I was going to say. Getting mad at him for not helping because he's the only who never got his ass out of bed. So, yeah. Oh my God, I love it. That's what I was going to say. It's definitely family saying, stop being such a big wuss and get up. <laughs> and my grandfather had like a certain smell about him. Oh gosh, what did he wear? Oh my goodness. It's going to be Old Spice or um, oh, English leather. Yeah, Old Spice and like <laughs> Old Spice, like this really like, oh, I remember you actually told me this one time that like you, you could feel my grandfather's presence. I must be psychic. Yes, you must be. And Boom. just, you know, I always think that's so funny. I'm like, 
baby, you got to pull it together because I'm going to need you. Or my, my grandfather's going to come haunt you, honestly. Oh so have you had to ever, or do you do it now because of knowing people like Michelle, myself, and um, Melissa, Melissa um, have you ever done anything like um, clear the property or clear the funeral home, like smudge it, um, or had to because of like bad juju and the, you know, bad energy in the um, location, maybe my, after something that was really tragic or heavy. Yeah. My mom, she does it at times. Like, cause I think it's just, sometimes she just feels the air is heavy. And yeah. so she's known like how to kind of do this. So she's always had like a little set that she would go and smudge, but she's not a professional. And she would, you know, this is my Mimi. I talked about my, my grandma Louise, who, you know, she always had that kind of, uh, energy the knowing the knowing yep so she tried passing it on to my mom so my mom does the smudging here and there we definitely need to get a professional in there though it's been quite some time (laughs) one of us will come in for sure and then the other part of that is (laughs) if you can um salt the property too Mm -hmm. black salt and you use black salt all around the property and that seems to boom quiet that right down if there's any nonsense with that heaviness yeah it's like a heaviness in the air when it does happen but sometimes we don't even realize it because people you know they associate it funeral homes to be dark and gloomy but there's so much life that goes through there with the love and the comfort so I definitely think that balance things out like any kind of negative energy or any kind of you know on this planet that they wanted to stay or they have any kind of um regrets or maybe even some hate towards the um the living there's so much love in on like that comes in like the hugging and the the love and the comfort and the support it's it's overwhelming so there's more life and goodness in the building for sure but you know at the end when the lights are turned off and you had one of a horrible case young person that passed away perhaps an overdose there's definitely needs to be some clearing because some heaviness and more sadness is in the air, especially when you're just by yourself in the funeral home. Now, no, I'm sure you're I would really recommend. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Kate. Yeah, I would recommend a regular, um, I'm sorry, Michelle, a regular um, smudging mm-hmm. and doing the salt. But you also may want to put um, some crystals around the location just for that, the, the heavier energies to help mm-hmm. them move over. Ones that uh, do die with anger and um assist them with making peace with this lifetime so there is some stuff like that that you can do again i'm gonna say to you i know it's you know during um a time of quarantine it's hard to take a class but you might want to look into some virtual classes or ask her if you can do that virtually to um learn some more reiki for you guys any practitioners learning reiki is truly key it doesn't matter if you're a healthcare provider um, or even like an esthetician, makeup artist, having that skill, it not only blocks the negativity from attracting to attaching to you, but you're able to help them like clear out and move on. Oh, absolutely. And ever since I started, I feel like last fall, it was like really a big turning point, like me accepting and wanting to learn more about, you know, this, this as being a healer and mm-hmm. me, being more confident talking about these things and uh, death and 
passing on and what heaven is um, to every different person. Everyone's different and what energy and what the survivors can do to kind of feel connected to the ones that passed on me being more confident actually talking about this because some funeral directors, they don't talk about these things or they, they feel uncomfortable, you know, talking at all sometimes. Um, right. That I feel so much more, uh, helpful as a funeral director being able to confidently talk like this. So I'm definitely on a, a education learning, um, route here. So you give me all the advice you can give me okay. because I definitely yeah. have felt people's impact, um, from me talking to them. So helpful. And, you know, I've gained, a I lot agree with that. Yeah. The compassionate care that I provide as a director, but the honesty and going the extra um, step further with maybe helping them in their healing journey is something I I'm looking forward to expanding. Oh, that, that's beautiful. And I love how you consider yourself a healer because you are a healer. A you're definitely a healer. You're helping families that are, are going through, um, as I said, the hardest time of their life to, to um, be able to hang on to what the happy memories are and basically celebrate mm-hmm. these lives rather than feel as if um, there's no hope for them or for whatever the future brings without that loved one there. Have you ever had a dream of these family members or people afterwards? <laughs> you know, sometimes the ones that stand out is like my fear that something may have gone wrong. Cause I always, you know, I'm a perfectionist. I feel like, Oh my gosh, it's like, just, I don't do something like, you know, before. And I think about their reactions but I have had some families that have impacted me for the better, whether that they taught me something about life mm-hmm. or, you know, just an experience that I can learn from. Uh, and I've had memories about them and their loved ones. Um, never of the, the deceased um, being alive again. I've never had that. But dreams of the survivors, absolutely. They are part of me now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've truly have built me into the woman I am, even though I've only been in the business for like three and a half years. Um, but I truly like will always remember this, the person that got me into this business. It was a widowed man who discussed his, his wife with such love and honor. And honor is the best word to describe it. Like that was his, his world. And he was a devoted man to her and just talked about her as, if there was nothing else in the world but her oh, and talked about her gardens and how she always liked a white orchid. So here I am in between jobs, let alone, I'm not even in the business as anything. I'm just helping dad out. Mm-hmm. And he's just listening to him. And I went and got him a white orchid and I was working the calling hours and I presented it to him and he had his, he just started crying. He's like, you remember that. And then every time I see him, he brings up, I had that white orchid for a long time and I made it a tradition that I always kept it there. And not only did it remind me of my wife, but just the kindness that you gave me. So honestly, like what other career can give you that kind of like, you know, I don't know, some, importance to something else you know I used to do advertising and that's nothing compared to like what I can do for a family now it's just you know it truly is a gift the job does um it's very rewarding I'll I'll tell you and and it's probably in the same vein of that you just reminded me um 
many years ago when I first started doing this professionally, I um, went to a house um, to do a reading and the daughter who I'd read for before, the daughter said, my father really wants you to come and read for him. I was like, okay. And there's some that when you do things like that, you think, you know, I don't know how this is going to go. They're older. Their mindset might be different. Mm -hmm. um, their expectation might be different. So um, he was very crippled with arthritis. I believe he was in his 80s. And um, the other sister was there with him as well. So it was the two daughters. And I, as I always do, I took his hand. It was a cute guy, too, cute old guy. <laughs> and I took his hand and um, I started to see the wife. The wife was very feisty and full of energy. And um, she, as I'm holding his hand, I looked up and she said, um, I'm his girl. I'm, I'm, and, um, back off <laughs> no 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 she said i'm his girl it's okay if he has a girlfriend um, i don't want him to be alone it's okay if he has somebody and he was getting emotional and i said this to him and he said i do have somebody and he looked at me very pointedly and he had that mr rogers kind of a vibe mm -hmm. and he said well she she's still my girl she'll always be my girl i'll love her forever well, as Michelle probably realizes, because annoying, I started to cry. Mm -hmm. I couldn't stop crying. I was like, like absolutely unconsolable at that point because there was so much love that was pouring out of this man for his wife um, that it, it was absolutely astounding you. to me. Yeah, it flooded me. And I thought to myself, turn, le like learning a lesson the lesson is everybody should be loved like that. Mm. Every life should be like that. Every person should be valued like that. Every person should be loved like that. And that reading was for you and for him then. Don't you, that happens to uh -huh. me often that I, I get. Oh like, yeah. So right. much, Michelle, you're right. She then said, and tell him to stop spending all our money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he goes, oh, poo. I, she used to say that all the time. <laughs> and he actually then like lightened the mood. But I'm crying and snotting and, and thinking to myself, he became my gold standard of at the end of your life, do you want it to be a, like a kind of love that's like a eh? Eh. It was, it was comfortable. It was or loved so much that you're always his girl. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. my God. The stories I see, oh. you know, I feel bad for my husband because I come back like <laughs> you know, comparing, contrasting, but it, there's so much love and it just shows you that, you know, whether they were together for 70 years, 30 years, two years, unfortunately, just the love of a husband and a wife or, you know, doesn't even have to be a husband and wife, just the love you have for somebody. It just goes beyond you know, this world and it stays with you and it, you know, illuminates the people around you because I watch, I'm not there just like as your funeral director and I'll leave you alone. Sometimes I, I stare there and I like, I enhance and I, I take in the motion of the room because it is a beautiful thing. And, you know, they created an impact on the world. And I always say to my families, Every relationship here, every set of eyes looking back at me has their own unique relationship with the person who has passed. That mm -hmm. is your, your own 
tribute to one another. That's your own bond. No bond here is different. And I think that's what makes life so beautiful. Like nobody can take away what your bond with one another. Uh, it's wow. just, that's, that's awesome. That's really good um, perspective to have with that. All right. So we did all the nice stuff. Tell us some freaky shit that happens when, at, at your job, like weird shit that you've seen. Like, have you had somebody come in and they've got like demonic symbols all over them or um, you actually have to do, have you ever, probably they don't have a funeral, but like, have you ever had to do something like really freaky, like a satanic thing? For, for thank God, no. I don't know what funeral home does that, but it's not ours. Thank God. Oh my God. I don't even know. I'd probably give that to the other funeral director because I'd be scared. I'd be like, there you right. go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh no, we've um, had, you know, we've, you know, it's like I said, I'm more scared of the living. There's more craziness that happens with the living at times because that, that energy is the whole other game, you know, the, the family dynamics the people who aren't supposed to be at the funeral and then I turn into a bodyguard. Yeah. There's, I'm scared of the living. <laughs> I always thought that was funny. Like I think, I mean, not funny, but you know, the people will say, and um, you know, aunt Louise is not coming to my wedding. Oh, and yeah. when you hear about it's written in like the will that Bobby Joe isn't allowed at the funeral. It's, crazy. Like, it's so crazy. Like if there's ever a time to let that shit go, I think it's when someone dies. Oh yeah. When they come with like a huge pamphlet of paperwork, when we don't only ask for like the DD-214 and maybe like life insurance and maybe like um, the birth certificate and they're coming in with this whole document of the will reading out loud to us. Yeah. And I have to be yeah. like, we're not the lawyer, but you tell us what you want though. <laughs> but it's just like, it's, you know, Every family is different, but that's what makes our job so unique. But luckily, no, I've never had any like uh, crazy requests for <laughs> having to have like weird chants and dark magic and stuff. Thank goodness. <laughs> I've had like people, you know, do beautiful things like flower displays or they only, you only can wear white or things like, you know, that aren't too, too crazy. Ooh. Yeah, so the music theme. I like playing. the idea of the making them wear all white. My my funeral, everybody has to wear sequins. <laughs> Mermaid outfits. Mermaid right. outfits and a lot of sequins. And um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> they, they all have to be nude. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> you guys ever think about what your funeral would be? I know that's such a weird question. but I have know. mine planned out and written down, actually. Yeah. I don't want to saddle anyone with it. And I've done, you know, played enough funerals and, you know, and I, I, I'm sure, you know, I think about, I'd rather play a funeral than a wedding any day on the pipes because I think funerals in general bring out the best while weddings can often bring out the worst. Oh yeah. And, There's uh, usually alcohol at weddings. That's why. <laughs> oh, I, I was, you know, reading up today um, on, you know, strange encounters of funeral directors. And they said in the one article, it said um, the one thing it does bring out is um, a lot of sex at <laughs> funerals, which I thought was crazy, what? but it makes kind of sense. And they said, there's a lot of drinking. Oh yeah. Behind the scenes. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> behind the scenes. And, and, um, and I think it's just like a, so much of it's kind of like, just like a validation of life. But I thought it was like, like, Oh yeah, I guess I could see that. So my girlfriend, my best friend in the whole world, um, Denise, she has, it's one of those books that it's um, like every, the everything book or something. And it's all about what happens when she dies, what she wants done. Mm -hmm. 
and it's all her passwords and stuff like that. But she says to me all the time, okay, here's the deal. When I die, I want to be dressed in my um, black and red leather, like, bustier outfit. And I want, um, like, a red lined casket and or a black lined casket. I mean, she's got to explain. And I'll say, shut up. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. She'll say, no, listen, you have to listen. She goes, and I want ACDC. Um, you know, like that's the only music I want. So, um, I have not personally thought about my own, um, passing, um, because I just feel like I got too much left to do here. Sure did. Um, well, you know, I, and, um, that's my OCD. I'm like, I've got to take care of this, get it out of the way so I can do, but that's just me. <laughs> that's just my weird way of organizing myself. And the only thing I will tell you is my daughter used to had a some game or app on her phone that I, I don't know if it was called like this or that. Oh, yeah. Um, and it would show a picture of like, um, would you rather, you know, eat ice cream or eat the like chocolate? And it was this or that, you know, this or that you pick. Mm-hmm. And the one question, I mean, there were some terrifying questions in there that these young people were like, and the one that says, um, how, how would you rather die and it was like you know in your sleep or you know um whatever skydiving I said I'm putting away laundry and I said oh dear god I said that's horrible I said I don't want to think about I said no here's the deal I want to die laughing I said I want to just be going ha 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 and then boom (laughs) so she I didn't know she tape recorded it so every once in a while I would hear my my laugh through the house because she'd play it like that's how I want to die (laughs) so um yeah so I I've never thought that have you thought yours out because of being with so many different rituals and ceremonies you already know oh you know I am a mermaid soul like I said (laughs) (laughs) I mean hey I hope one day liquor is allowed or some kind of beer and wine allowed in funeral homes because I need a champagne toast when I go out things that you know New York State's so strict and down south they let you do whatever right Mm. but uh you know I always like a champagne toast I want to be in my best my best garment with my beautiful makeup done my fake eyelashes eyelashes. then be cremated after the whole you know ceremony where people can say goodbye to my human body and then I want to be cremated and then placed into the ocean into a coral reef where I could help the ecosystem down there. It's my mermaid self. Lindsay's, I want to go in the ocean. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, you got to think of these things sometimes just because people do ask me, like, what would you do? Like, sometimes we just talk. And I think I, I like that a lot. I, I would also like, I would love a, um, a Louisiana send off. Um, you know, the, the big easy send off where they have the jazz and they have, um, you know, I want to, I want to be, um, like, um, Marie Laveau where you know, oh, no. I've got the <clears throat> above ground, um, entombment, but I, I, those, those kind of wakes and funerals, they're incredible. Oh my gosh. Aren't they? I think I they're, they're the ones that hire the criers, the professional yep. whalers. Yeah. Yes. Is, you know. <laughs> Have you had those professional? Yeah, we actually have it. I personally have it. You know, I 
sometimes wish I just asked my dad to come on this with me because he's seen it all. He's seen it all. So maybe he's the fun one to talk to about oh, this. With you. Next time we have you on, bring oh, absolutely. Would he come on? Oh, I'm sure he will. My dad oh, loves this kind of stuff. Yeah, he is not, my yeah. dad's more extra than I am. Let's just put it as it is. Sure. <laughs> my dad's more extra than I am. I freaking love it. He is, but no. I mean, it's definitely an interesting job that we have. And I do it with my family, which makes things even more interesting. Yes. We actually, we're asked to do a reality show from uh, a Canadian <gasps> cool. production company. A couple, a couple years ago, my dad's like, absolutely not. Nobody will come to us if they really knew how crazy our family is. <laughs> I think that more people would come. Uh, Have you ever had requests for like Irish wakes and whatnot? You know, because oh, I hear yeah. stories from my sisters. All Celtic. Uh, I mean, Irish like um, Viking wakes, you mean? like? No, no. Where oh. they, have you heard people that want to be able to set the body upright? Because there's a story in my... Uh, family tree about they went and they got the body out of the funeral home and they took him to his favorite bar and propped him up <laughs> and they yeah, all had people, i think with social media more people are getting creative knowing that there's things out there like that mm -hmm. so we we absolutely with pre-arrangements you know people have been asking like is this possible I'm like honestly anything is possible as long as it's legal in new york state <laughs> but um yeah i mean but you know with like game of thrones how many people want to have a viking like they want us to like torch their body in the middle of the lake i'm like on a pile or something i'm like i don't think that's legal so i'm sorry we're not the people for that but <laughs> or something. yes yes right oh gosh i mean that'd be pretty cool i gotta be honest <laughs> i would go for that if it were you know, know. It was doable so i love water wow that's crazy that people think like that. Like, yeah, I, I signed up for the Game of Thrones. Um, Hi, would you like the Game of Thrones package, please? <laughs> Game of Thrones package. So funny. Awesome. Um, Michelle, do you have any other questions? No, you know, I think I, I think I asked all the questions I had. I, I was just, I just found it so fascinating to talk to you about your experiences you know, in the funeral home and the experience, because I've had quite a few, you know, spending time in funeral homes. I've been in the casket room and waiting to go on and whatnot. And I, I see people walking through, but you know, you really. So hang on, hang on. That's just legit. What? Brittany, have you ever gotten inside a casket? Oh. I knew you guys were going to ask me this. No, my mom always told me, do not get in it. It's a Maloik. But I know plenty of people who have gotten in. And people actually, when we go and do prearrangements. For our listeners, hang they, on one second. Because this is such an Italian community, I, I know. For the Maloik, that means like it's like the bad um, energy or bad, bad yeah. fortune. Yeah, do not. Right. So oh, actually. yeah. I don't think no, I would. no, 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 and I promise you, no. I just, I always remember my mom saying that because even when we were kids and we would play tag in the funeral home, she's like, "Don't you dare go in there," because she would just, you know, freak out and think something bad or would happen. So. I'm just too claustrophobic to ever do. <laughs> oh, that too, absolutely not. But let's just say that I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to lie. I would do it. I'm not going to lie. I would totally do it. That's yeah. That is one of my limits. I would not do that. Because, you know, you'll watch a TV show where someone's got to get in a casket, you know, because they're playing dead. I'm like, I would not do that. that I would draw the line there. So no, but My ex-boyfriend definitely did. And I don't have a lot of lines that I draw. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? 
He did. Your ex-boyfriend got in one, you said? Yeah, he did. And then I was like, I wish I, I, I'd put the crank and locked them up there. <laughs> God. Oh, that's the one time, yeah. Oh, my God. That's awesome. But, God. And that's Anything what, else you want to share with us, Brittany, about, you know, your job and how we should be viewing um, life rather than death? Well, I definitely know you guys just did the Heavenly Signs um, episode just yes. recently. And yes. I have plenty of information on that because I hear the stories from the survivors. Mm. But um, maybe we'll have to save that for some other time. But definitely just I definitely think that this is a healing way to help families. Talking Wait a minute, you're them. saying, hang on, what, hold up. You're okay. saying that you have clients that are getting the Heavenly Signs all the time? All the time. Sharing. So tell us what, like what you've encountered. Just give us a couple. I think my most recent one that I really, really, um, got chills about was when somebody was passing away and how, um, you know, what happened when the person passed. So supposedly it was, um, the, the mom that was passing and the dad passed earlier on. They were married for like over 65 years, um, long, long marriage. And this one song that they would dance to or the husband who passed would kind of harass um, the wife was a song called Donna. Oh, Donna, oh, Donna. It's like an older song. Oh, yeah. But his, um, yeah, the, the dad, the husband's, ex-girlfriend was name was Donna so they would always like he would always like joke around like oh no you're my girl you're my girl Donna doesn't mean anything but every time the song would come up throughout their life together they would always dance giggle laugh and joke together so as um she's you know not doing so good in the hospital the wife um the song comes up and the daughter knows like this was their like joke of, of a couple throughout their whole life and so she, you know, you don't hear that song too, too often. So she started turning it up and sure. She starts like looking up and like smiling. And then that she passed away to the song. Oh so my God. I, beautiful. Yeah. Oh. So I think it was him coming to her, to her and taking her with him. And they're now like dancing and, you know, oh. smiling and, you know, maybe they renewed their vows in heaven now. So I just thought that was oh, a that's beautiful. beautiful. And Donna's not there. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Not the um, other Donna. Donna, I know, but they're laughing about her anyway. <laughs> I have a, I have my a father. Hey. My, hey, hey, I have a question. Was it this song? Yep, that's yes. it. Richie, Va Richie Valens. Yep, yeah, song. Yeah, that was the most recent one that really gave me the chills. I just thought it was so beautiful. But people, people really, um, they interact with birds a lot I mean not just cardinals but like a lot of animals but especially birds to coming to visit and this my, one my, excuse me one second my father had a, an encounter um where they were doing a military um uh funeral and they were all in the cemetery lined up and during the ceremony an eagle came down and perched on one of the headstones. I mean, he said you could have heard a pin drop. Oh my God. He said, and got up and flew away. I mean, obviously that's a military sign as an eagle. And then came back again and then just soared off. And of course, everybody there felt like, oh my God. 
you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was definitely a sign right. from the, the person, right, moving on. So I'm, I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt that. Oh, Go no, ahead. you're fine. And then, well, you saying at the actual um, burial interment, uh, I was just at a funeral for a family member. So I wasn't actually working. And, uh, you know, it was a very sad funeral, but um, they definitely brightened up it by playing Rocky Balboa. Um, at the end, and that's how we all said our final goodbye, leaving a flower on the casket. But I know the funeral directors, um, they are very, very a great funeral home. And I saw the funeral director, he had right. a stand and he put the, this, this beautiful flower arrangement of a bowl, a bowling pin because he was a bowler. And I saw him, he, he deliberately put this uh, flower stand underneath the vault. That thing wasn't going to go anywhere, even right. if some wind took it. So as they're playing the Rocky Balboa song, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the, the, the bowling pin comes crashing down, and that was his bowling song. So that was him striking out one last time. I honestly saw that. I love it. That's yeah. awesome. So this all just happened recently. So if I really, like, you know, I wasn't so sunburned in the head and maybe didn't party too much in Lake George this weekend, I might have had better stories for you. <laughs> oh, I think this was, I think it was perfect. Brittany, Thank you so, so much you, for being a guest with us tonight. And definitely want you back. We want your father to be um, a guest host with you. Ah, we would love that. And uh, thank you, guys. I think everything you guys are doing is wonderful. And you're definitely uh, brightening people's days and definitely giving us hope and a little bit magic in our lives. And I think that's what we need. Right back at Brittany. Uh, <laughs> I just love her. Good call, Michelle, for having her on. I love it. Thanks for agreeing to come on. Brittany. Of course, guys. Okay. Looking forward thank to you so that. much. And, and thank you to all our listeners for, for uh, listening to us and sharing us and, and um, making sure you like us. So please continue and, and please continue um, to send us suggestions and ideas for um, upcoming shows. We love that when you guys give us your input, even That's on tonight's show, please give us your input. I'd like to say a special thank you to D Scott for, every week arranging or every other week arranging these for <laughs> us and I really appreciate him being so tech savvy. So um, behind it all. Yeah. The wizard, right. He's the wizard of Oz behind it all. So um, thank you again, Michelle. And uh, thank you again to uh, all our wonderful listeners. So thank you. Oh.